0: Can I, mean, I tell you something? So I just said I, I was deathly ill. I don't know why. I'm Just cut this out probably. Or I'm going to cut it out. Um, I was really <laughs> sick this week. I was so sick. I was up all night sweating and vomiting and shivering. And I would go into the bathroom every once in a while try to vomit. This is like 4, 4.30 in the morning. And I would stop and I would be like, I feel so terrible, but I look so great. <laughs> and I was looking at myself in the like mirror. Like thin? Like emaciated? like Just like great. You know, my hair looked good. Like my face, stubble was at a perfect length, you know? Yeah, my muscles, my pecs were popping, you know? I was feeling really good about myself. You um, know you're a 90s kid when that heroin chic
1: makes you think you look good.
0: <laughs> Love to look gaunt.
2: From the critically acclaimed director of Eight Men Out and Mate One. These people are not you the street. walk out your door. It's a lawn into the side. L Street has to come down for Galaxy Towers to go up. City of Hope. I'm a free man today, Bobby. Shit is gonna happen. Important stuff. I can feel it. Cisco and Ebert give it two thumbs up. I raised the rent to the Galaxy. I had the heat off for three weeks in March. These people are not leaving. I can handle this. David Anson of Newsweek hails, it's remarkable.
1: People do favors for me, I do favors for them.
2: If you can't get respect, you settle for fear. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone calls it riveting, gutsy, knockdown entertainment. The DA's office is butt into it. You're using my kid against me like this? And the New York Post says it's sensational. Already put things in motion. does that yeah. City of Hope stars Vincent Spano, Tony Lobianco, and Joe Morton.
1: I think dad might be in trouble. And we're talking about a movie that we both loved. I would I would venture to say.
0: In my mind, one of the best we've watched. I think it's one of the best movies that we've watched. Yeah, hundred um, percent. and largely forgotten. I have never heard of it before. Uh I, I had never I, I maybe I'd heard of it, but I definitely had never seen it before. I was surprised you had not seen it before. It seems so I have weird seen it. shit. Oh I had okay. seen it. Oh. Yeah.
1: I saw it I saw it in um I think I saw it in high school. And then I think I saw it again in college, but like going back and watching it this time felt kind of like watching it the first time like i mostly remember david Strathairn's character mm-hmm. and uh and joe and a little bit of joe morton and uh some 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 conversations that friends and i had about the movie but it felt like watch watching it for the first time like i don't think i had noticed robert Rob, robert richardson's cinematography as much as i did mm-hmm. this this time welcome to 30 years later i'm your host ricky camilleri uh joining me um as always uh chris chafin chris say hi
0: yes hello it's me chris chafin um (laughs) yeah so the movie this week is city of hope john sales 1991 written by directed by and starring right and edited and edited (laughs) and edited did he do the soundtrack uh no he did not do the soundtrack but yeah he
1: wrote directed edited and uh and uh and he plays a big part in it
0: so I just to draw you out, and for the benefit of the listeners, and also to, I sometimes I feel like I have this role, and also this is just true. Um, speaking of John Sales, Ricky, so like this is somebody, of course, I'm familiar with, and I'm, I, but I, looking through his filmography, I was like, what is the thing that John Sales is famous for? Would you like me to get? That's would exactly. you like me to educate you? I would love for you to.
1: So John Sales is in many ways considered the father of independent film. The reason that he's considered the father of independent film because it's like a po- he's like a post cassavetti self-financer. So he in the seventies wrote a lot of films for Roger Corman, um, as well as other people. He was just like a go-to writer for hire. And then his first film, Return of the Sicacus Seven, he financed with his own money. He even went and wrote a movie after he shot Sicacus Seven so he could buy an editing machine and edit the movie on it. And it, he they shot it in uh television aspect ratio because they didn't think it would ever play in a movie theater but then it played at a festival or something was a huge hit after that he got um he got more money to make movies but then he also uh he also got used still used his own money to make his movies one of his a couple of his famous movies his heyday is really the 80s but he also has a couple masterpieces in the 90s um like but Lone Star got,
0: I guess is one of his most yeah, famous movies right
1: City of Hope Lone Star I mean 80s and 90s I guess you could I mean, say Passion out. Fish well the eight men out is the 80s so you have the 80s you have Return of the Secaucus 7 although I think that's maybe late 70s and then you've got Baby It's You you've got eight men out um and you've got Mate One which is uh a, another bona fide classic you know it's about the um it's about the union busting uh in West Virginia uh coal miners in west virginia in the 19th you know um <laughs> and then you've got city of hope you've got passion fish lone star um just great movies all around and you know from having just watched city of hope that he's like a phenomenal writer that even in maybe like a bad john Sayles movie you would still get really smart writing and it's, it's pretty kind on point of point and concise
0: it's playwright e writing at least this movie is
1: I would I think this movie is specifically playwritery. I would argue it's more television writery now.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, like, I mean, that's one of the bigger points I think about I have about this movie in general is that it so much of it feels like television now. It has become yeah. television this movie. But
1: because it's a movie, it's still so much it feels more kinetic and more urgent. Tighter, in a, in yeah. a way that yeah, that television can't cuz television has to progress on, for for so long there's much less fat and it has an ending, in, in which, movie. like,
0: find me a TV show. Oh, does like it ending, ever? You know.
1: Does it ever. Um, but, yeah, so he, he, in the 80s, he was just kind of considered this, this, this inspirational, independent film figure because he would go write for other people, and then he would come back, and he would, um, he would, he, he would finance his movies with that. And um, he would also cast his own people. He's, he cast Chris Cooper in right. Chris Cooper's first role um and Vincent Spano not Vincent Spano's first role i believe Vincent Spano's like first role was this movie called Alphabet City which is a really beautifully shot interesting sort of B movie about a um a, a drug dealer in Alphabet City in the early 80s it's a really cool movie uh and then he put him in Baby It's You with Rosanna Arquette uh that's the early 80s that's a wonderful high school romance movie very much like the Wanderers or something, you know, like early sixties sock hop style high school romance, but with a little more depth. And then um, City of Hope comes in City of Hope. I think the budget on City of Hope is apparently only $3 million. Really?
0: Um, There's like six storylines going at once. You know, it's like a two and a half hour movie and it looks great. It looks fantastic.
1: It looks amazing.
0: It's shot by
1: Robert Richardson who started his career with Oliver Stone with El Salvador and then um, did uh, worked with Oliver Stone, I believe all the way up until like any given Sunday. So like the doors, JFK, natural born killers, platoon. Um, but in my mind specifically born on the 4th of July, the doors, JFK natural born killers are like four of the most innovative uh, and, and influential movies photographically of the 90s and the 2000s and i think in city of hope you see specifically what makes robert richardson so influential which is that like um blown out white backlighting that's on everybody at times it looks like it's supposed to look like a street lamp but it's like really kind of blowing out their faces and their backs which spike lee then uh, like starts using in movies like clockers and uses Uh, like really uses in summer of Sam and Scorsese even starts using in bringing out the dead, which Robert Richardson also shot. And he also, I think he also shot the aviator and he went on to, he works, he shot once upon a time in Hollywood and in glorious bastards and, you know, a few other movies. He's a big, he's, he's, he's a big shot. He works with the big dogs. Um, But he, the cinematography in city of hope is, uh, for for me i mean i love everything about this movie but i i i love watching the the high wire act that the cinematography is doing in this movie because it doesn't shy away from the fact that the that the writing can be kind of theatrical it actually leans into it but in like an oddly cinematic way if that yeah, if that makes it's sense like it's like, like a
0: cinematically staged play yes. scene like everything that's happening in in every scene
1: Right, like you pull it, like you, like you glide into a scene, and you follow one character, and then you pick up with another. But it's not in the way that like Altman was doing it, or even in the way that like you know uh Paul Thomas Anderson ends up doing it in Magnolia. It's this, it's this, it's something that's it has to do with the performances too. But it's something that feels like uh, intentionally state
0: like choreographed and theatrical. Well, yeah, there's lots of what you're saying, like where it's like this character's, you know, these two ladies are yelling at a police officer and they were following them down the street. And then we pick up somebody that's in the car sitting in front of where they're walking. And then the car drives off somewhere else, like scenes that are bl- blocked in that way and photographed like that, which is, you know, it is, it's great. I think we've been talking about it a lot this week. Cause we both liked it so much. we've been talking, I mean, this is like the new thing we say all the time, but it's like, it's so alive. The movie just has so much energy. Yeah. I mean, i Don't know, do you want to like give a sort of short plot summary yeah. of the movie? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Can, yeah, yeah, okay. So it's set in this fictional city in New Jersey called Hudson, New Jersey, and they actually shot it in Cincinnati. Um, and it follows um a number of characters, I think there's like 30 something characters. In the <laughs> Is that movie. true,
0: really? Yeah, Jesus um, Christ. but
1: you know, there's like maybe seven or eight. Like main characters,
0: characters. Yeah. but they're all um, very which is still this, they're, they're separated they're it's not like a family of eight people it's like they all have their yeah. own independent stories which of um, course they intersect you know
1: yeah and it's kind of like an early sort of intersecting storyline movie uh not not the first but definitely one of the earlier ones and it's all about how all these people the personal is political right how the politics of this city the the sort of changing Economics of American cities: deindustrializ- deindustrialization, pro-capital, anti-worker, is 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 reshaping the fabric of small American cities. There's less social services. There's less tolerance, and there's less um, concern for constituents because the concern is largely with capital and power. And so that's, that's generally what the, all the characters kind of revolve around that. So you have a building developer and his son. You have a, 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 a councilman, um, a black councilman who's, who, who's, who's fighting for uh, economic equality in his impoverished neighborhood and is running up against the, um, sort, of, the sort of former black militants of the neighborhood who, who see anybody that works in the halls of power as a sellout. And they were you know, they kinda of, kinda of call him a white guy. Um, and uh then you have um you have a couple burglars who are working with the building developer's son. You have a gangster auto shop owner played by John Sayles himself, who's kind of the muscle for um City Hall. City gives Hall. Himself is kind of, gives himself a limp. Gives himself a
0: limp and a tragic backstory.
1: I love that. Oh god, I love that backstory. Mm-hmm. Um and it comes out to play like it, it, that backstory comes up in the last act. And then all of a sudden it becomes like the final monologue of the movie. And it matters so realize, much. It matters so much. Don't... And like, I kept watching the movie like, okay, he keeps bringing up his brother enough, enough, right, enough, right. right. Let's Your see brother. what's, but what then is the deal with the like, brother? Yeah. But then all of a sudden it comes up and it's not at all what you expected. And it becomes so key to understanding this family, Yeah, uh, you know, at yeah. this, at this moment. And why and they're this doing idea the thing that they're
0: like, doing right now is exactly the well, same the, thing they did back then, more or less, you know?
1: Right. Instead of anybody, instead of anybody allowing the system to work, everybody is working behind the scenes to shape the system in their favor. Right. Be it, be it family, be it just financial, whatever. And they're just like the personal is political, right? So they're the, them doing it personally uh them affect them trying to affect politics itself is is, is for their personal uh well being is 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 poisoning their family and it's, and that's kind of what it's about right is that everybody's yeah. getting poisoned in a way by this by by this reshaping the fabric of these cities
0: and the way that I mean like you're saying you know the personal is political the way that like these um these little incidents that on their own don't seem very important somehow snowball into something, you know, crazy and very significant, but at the same time, like completely divorced from reality. And in fact, admitting that these incidents are are not important at all, you know, but it's like, somehow it's, people are trying to use it for their own advantage and they're trying to use it to, you know, punish their enemies and reward their friends. And uh, one of the things I was going to say a second ago was like, so many of the people in the movie are are work within the system, but also hate and distrust the system. And so like Mm -hmm. you're saying, are always trying to game it, but it's like, they are the people that are the system and the attempts they make to game the system don't work out in in the movie time and again, but they still would rather do that than, uh, you know, properly go through the way things are supposed to go it's like well what you know that's for chumps you know that's for chumps to go in the system that's for the the guys who let the system do the what the system's supposed to do are the two crooks that spend the like the whole act of the movie in jail with David Strathern? you know like they got caught and they went to jail and then they just sat in jail forever and nobody came to get them or you know like
1: or the people who don't have homes anymore and are sitting there working with social workers to find a a place to stay,
0: trying to get somewhere for their family to stay. Yeah, exactly. They're
1: the only ones at the whim of the system. And that's another plot line to the movie, which is that um, there's a series of housing. uh, I mean, the movie really functions as like a, it's a, it's a, it's about land. It's about real estate. And there's a, there's a series of project houses or low income houses that have basically been condemned, but people still live in them and the owner doesn't want, to get rid of them but the mayor and the mayor's people kind of have him by the balls and they're trying to get him to uh get the buildings torn down so they can get it it's like
0: legally you can't evict them you know you can't evict them but there's a scene where the developer is yeah his friends in city hall are leaning or the developers are leaning on him to get them out and he's like i haven't repaired the building in eight months there hasn't been heat for three months i don't know what to do the people won't leave you know and they're just like figure it out.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's this is, and it's this idea that like, instead of taking care of what we have, we just, we, you know, we just throw it away and, and, yeah. and build new for, for the wealthy. And the, the city wants, the city wants it because Wants to tear these buildings down and throw these people out and build new condominiums because they want in money invested by they say the Japanese they have a bunch of different investors who are willing to pay for these condos to get made, and they can't get that investment with these buildings that are that that are still there. Um, it doesn't have to be about apartments. Like, right. Like that's an age old story. That's highway construction. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like, that's, you know, the modern industrial. It's like very resonant
0: for today though. Right. I mean, like that's the kind of thing that's happening all the time right now. And it's um, a
1: mall, right? It's a they the want to put a like a condominium in a mall. It's like the, the we're, we're gonna put in the new condominium and malls. It's <laughs>
0: gonna be a beautiful new hotel. We're gonna get rid of this dingy old B and B. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: when the mayor delivers that final that final speech at the end of the movie, what's great about that final speech is that he is the villain, and and he he is. Shown to be a fucking glad handing scumbag, right? Cutting deals all across the city with with other scumbags, and doesn't doesn't he even has like a horrible horrifically racist monologue at one point or line at one point where he's like, you know, it's our land. Let the let let the blacks and the Spanish duke it out themselves, yeah. you know, like yeah. just like throw them to the wolves. Uh, and then he delivers this speech that is all about lowering taxes <laughs> fucking getting investment in the city stopping crime right and it sounds it sounds right out of a speech that Joe Biden would give oh my God.
0: Ricky, ricky 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 you don't think so i love i wouldn't say joe biden necessarily i mean maybe not maybe not right now but 10 years ago Well, one of the things I think is interesting about the movie, Ricky, is I agree with you that this guy, the mayor is the villain and he's a scumbag and he's doing all sorts of evil scumbag shit and he's a bad guy. But I think to the credit of this movie, I mean, I think, yes, on one level, everything he's saying is disingenuous. But I think what is interesting and complicated about the movie is that on one level, it's not. On one level, he's being totally genuine. It's like, we need more money in the city. And in his mind... You know, and he is wrong. To be clear, he is wrong. But it's like in his mind, it's like, I want the city to be a nice place where all this money comes in and we have all I, these nice things, you know? And I, he's, I dis- in his mind, he's doing everything he can to make that happen. And he doesn't understand why people are trying to prevent it. Do you know what I mean?
1: I disagree with you 100%. I think the movie goes out of its way to show you that that all of those all of all, all of those lines that politicians give about wanting to make the sit wanting to make lives better, no matter who they're talking about they're only talking about lining the pockets of their friends and I think that's exactly what that final yeah. scene shows you well, I mean see, he's it. giving the speech to a, a, a dinner. Of, See, of, of
0: wealthy. This is people. what I think is I. I agree with you on one level, but on another, again on another level, he,
1: I he think gives a, he gives a racist rant. Well, to, no, this to... is what I am going
0: to say. This is what I am going to say is I think a, what is what the movie shows is the way that a person like this dehumanizes people that aren't like himself. So he doesn't consider those people people. I mean, I was yes. reading the um, yes. that know, thing that's the that Atlantic piece that's been going around about the, the Supreme Court today um is it who? oh i
1: didn't read i didn't i i can't i mean i've seen some clips of like alito or something and all these assholes trying to like justify themselves Enough, like enough just get get rid of it
0: you mean the supreme court do you mean just get rid of it is that yeah. what you mean
1: like, like like what are we doing we're going out of our way to try to like justify this court's impartiality when it's like every election, we're trying to vote somebody into the into office so they can put Heck someone you that right? we no, like into the Supreme Court. So why is anyone going out of their way to say that the court is impartial? We well, know that's the point. Not. That's the
0: point of this article. That is the point of this article. Is that how ridiculous that is and how disgusting it is? And that is Alito is standing on you know wherever the fuck he was, like being like this ridiculous article that says we're biased, you know. But one of the things that is in the piece is it says Republicans view the they, they feel their opponents are voted in by a majority of semi-citizens who don't have any rights to govern. And that is what I think that this movie is about in a lot of ways is the people in power just dehumanize people that don't look like them and don't think they're real people and don't think they deserve any say in government and don't think they deserve anything in general. You know, I
1: th- I, I think liberal, I think liberals do the same thing.
0: I mean, okay. I wasn't saying it was a conservative. I was saying people in power is what I said.
1: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You're right. I mean, yeah. I I I I I think that people empower uh dehumanize. Yeah, I think yeah, I'll, But that's yeah, you're what right. I
0: think is so important to understand about people like this is like their worldview is incorrect and racist and classist and self-centered, but in its own way it is genuine. They really do believe they're making the world a better place, but it's just the only people they think are real are people who are like them. And everyone else doesn't count, you know.
1: Well, we're also conditioned to think that as well. We're also conditioned to think that billionaires are the like are, are, right, yeah. no, not just like us. They they know better. Oh right, right. They've yeah, made yeah. they've made a billion dollars. They they're smart. They 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 deserve to have a have better say as to how the world is is run and how to shape policy. They've made a billion dollars.
0: I mean, I know have right? told you this I, story before, but that is, that is how the world that. works. That is like what Davos is, is like anybody yes. who's rich can go and talk to the leaders of the world and harangue them about how they think the world ought to be run. And the people listen to them.
1: Yes, the people listen to them because they want to get close to them because they, they want, want to be the near the other billionaires. Yeah. They want the money, yes. <laughs> anyway, I find, I find find I find his, the mayor at the end of the film delivering this speech about urban renewal or how they're going to, how they're going to sort of like take care of this, 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 this city, uh, to be not an indictment of conservative, the, the conservative ideas, but to be an indictment of capitalism and American ideas and how this, especially, I mean, I think, especially in 1991, right? Like oh, Reagan yeah, has sure. just completely reshaped. American values over the past eight, eight years. And now Bush is president. Next year, Clinton's going to be president. And Clinton is, you know, a Democrat, but at the same time, you know, he effectively ends welfare as we know it at that point. So he doesn't really believe in entitlement programs. And so you have a completely an America that has been their its values have been completely reshaped in the 80s that's just on the face of it i mean deindustrialization was happening in the 70s right these cities were being demolished in the 70s that's when we were starting global trade at that point and so i think 1991 is this is this moment in time and the 90s really were this kind of moment in time where you could you could say out loud like fuck both parties yeah. like this is they're, this is, bo- they're both bullshit. But now we're so entrenched in culture. I mean, war, I
0: think that's we can't much really say that anymore. Maybe not. Maybe not now. Like post Donald Trump. But I think I don't know. Lots of people say fuck both parties all the time. That's like one of the most popular positions sure. in America. Sure. You I know? mean, you
1: you can say you can say that those right? clowns like, in sorry,
0: Washington. Me. I mean, that's all anybody sorry. ever says. I don't mean you to know? say
1: you can't say anything, but I do mean to say, like in in some circles, it's like. There's this, there's, there's this sense that right now that like, because of Donald Trump, right. And maybe even because of Bush a little bit, I would, I would argue rightfully yeah. because of Bush, um, that, uh, you know, the Democrats are just so much better than the Republicans. And like, what are you talking about? Both parties are corrupt. Like, well, that Democrats, was the whole thing. I mean, that's why the Don, Al Gore lost, ones. right. The it's the because this is,
0: this was like the rage against the machine position in 1999, 2000 was like, Trump and Bu- or Bush and Gore, same thing. You know, they're all corrupt. And then a bunch of people voted for Nader, and Gore lost Florida by 500 votes. And then we had the endless war on terror and torture and NASCAR and like, eight years of this stuff. You know,
1: eight years of eight years of like the most irritating Maxim magazine shit and like everywhere.
0: flags everywhere. Toby Keith, you know. So then the In idea way- was like. Oh, they're the same. Like Al Gore would have a secret prison in Poland where people are being hung up by their feet naked for like But then, you he know, wouldn't. maybe he would. Maybe he would. He, he, I maybe he wouldn't. But you know who would? Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you see and, and like No, look, Ricky Barack Obama would just drone bomb a car that he thought maybe had a guy in it that maybe did something. That's the oh, that difference Joe, between Bush that and That was Joe Biden. Obama. That yeah. was Joe Biden.
1: <laughs> Drone bomb a car that he thought maybe had a guy in it, but whoops, it had kids in it. Yeah,
0: well, what are you going to do? We're all trying our best.
1: Whoopsie. You know, but that what, is interesting what, what, because,
0: so this is one of the things, not to get us to talking about the movie, but that I like about the movie is that it takes what I consider to be such a sophisticated and true look at how the world actually works and makes it so human and propulsive and entertaining and melodramatic but at the same time it's operating on an extremely high level of like you know ten thousand word new york times article about how systems actually work together and i think that's so rare i mean we've been saying this is like these days it's something like this isn't a movie it's a tv show especially like post the wire right like the wire is like this movie has so much of that energy in it um i mean i would argue the only i agree with you i think the
1: only tv show is the wire though like there's just nothing there's nothing as good as this or the wire
0: right because the wire had the bravery to be about something boring whereas a, a tv show might look at something that's this complicated but it would be like assassins and drug dealers and clone facilities they're falling in love yeah like who fucking cares you know whereas the wire is like this is how the public this is why public schools are bad you know
1: right this is how a mayor gets corrupt
0: yeah it's so but i was just i found myself over and over again shocked at the level of the way this movie was to be able to be so complicated and so entertaining at the same time and just like a good film do you know what i mean like i i i was amazed i was amazed by that
1: i think what's interesting in comparing it to the wire and thinking about these two mayors like corketti versus this guy right when corketti like you know it's 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 15 years later say something like that 2006 season 4 of the wire corketti becomes mayor right and it's this idea that like he at that point, the system is so entrenched and and tight, he can't do anything. If he actually does do anything, he will lose. He'll look worse. So he actually has to become, become corrupt. Whereas in 1991, you could still say, like, there's corruption within the system and, like, this is how it works. It's not necessarily, whereas 15 years later, it's like, that's just how it runs and there's nothing else you can do. There's nothing you can do to effectively combat it. That is the system and that's how it runs. Like, the one issue maybe with City of Hope if you if 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 you want to take with it is that it's still too individualized
0: right yeah. right
1: it's still too it's still i i don't think it is i think it's trying to tell individual stories in a, in a corrupt world but because it's 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 1991 and and we haven't become as cynical as we we should have been it, it's it it still becomes a little more about like this specific corrupt mayor this specific corrupt right
0: builder this is another thing i love about the movie though is that i do have this worldview and maybe i'm like attributing stuff to john sales i shouldn't but like i you know systems are made up of individuals and this is like what we were saying before about the individuals who make up the system don't trust the system and are trying to work outside the system you know and that itself has an impact on the system it's like everybody has their own very personal motivations for everything they're doing that they don't think are tied up in any grand political movement except for the people who are trying to invent grand political movements for personal reasons you know and i think this movie does such a good job of showing how all that interacts to make a world that doesn't work correctly you know
1: right but don't you think that world doesn't work correctly because there aren't like effective barriers in in in, in stuff. like the world itself is built on only one thing and that thing is gonna always corrupt.
0: What like power and money and
1: Yeah, power yeah. and money. I mean what is the what does the character say to uh to the builder at one point in the movie? He says uh he's he says like you get a little and everybody on top of you gets a piece. Then you share the rest with everyone below you right like so every, like the guy in the middle is constantly trying to get a little more so he can get on top and get a piece of everybody else right the people in the bottom are just getting are, are getting very little and then there's like even i think joe morton has a line about trickle down economics yeah, right Where yeah, he, he says uh, what does he say he, oh it's like, just it's something just where he's like oh trickle, trickle down everybody.
0: economics oh yeah it doesn't always reach every it doesn't it only trickles down so far that's what he says yeah
1: great line great line it's i thought
0: very true again you know
1: yeah um,
0: but yeah, I just I, think, I mean, I agree. I, I, I'm i not disagreeing with you, but I just think that um, this is my view of the world. And having worked in the places I've worked and met the people I've met, which are, you know, some of the people that run the world in some sense, right? Whoa, you've worked with people that run the world? Dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Not to fucking brag or whatever. <laughs> I've stood in the same room as some people. Yeah, definitely. I had very brief <laughs> conversations with them. <laughs>
1: What? Can I get you a coffee? <laughs> yeah,
0: are you cool? Okay, good. <laughs> what's the the what's
1: the Mister Show joke with the the guy on a, a news program who's like the uh, um, he's like the uh, he knows everything about the Pope or something, and the anchor is like, "What's the most asked question you get?" He's like, "What are you doing in here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh,
0: you meant about the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, everybody has just their own shit going on and everybody is constantly distracted and in a certain sense doing their best, but in another sense, like not at all doing their best or even attempting, you know?
1: i'm not arguing I'm not arguing against that
0: yeah no, no I didn't think you were I'm, I'm saying d- the yeah. same
1: thing i'm saying that this that I'm saying that the system with within which we operate in doesn't allow people to effectively achieve their best as a
0: hu- as 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 human to human you know yeah. no, I agree well, and it's because there, i think there's a fear of and this goes back to like not trust not trusting the system even though the system is us it's like there's a fear of making any change to america like like it's working so great i don't know you know what i mean but making any kind of like systemic changes is so scary to us whereas that used to be like the whole point of america is that they made systemic changes like every single day you know like everything they were like changing all kinds of shit all the time um but like in the 20th century we've lost lost that super hard you know, and of course, all the not all those changes were good. Like, obviously, a lot of those changes were really bad and made it a terrible place and were in, you know, inequitable and racist. But I there's just been a way that America has been like ossifying over the last 50 years that I think is really unhealthy, yeah. you know, yeah,
1: because it's a it's a it's a for lack of a a better word a non-cliché word it's a machine right and the machine no. can't stop it's like a
0: and the people that bent it ben- the people that it benefits are have been able to game the system to make sure it doesn't change
1: right for everybody else it's a stock market ticker like right. that just kind of goes by and they, like there's absolutely nothing that you can do to to stop it or pause it or get in between any of those numbers and figure anything out you just have to sort of ride the conveyor belt and this idea that like any kind of elected official is going to be able to do that at this point is maddening like what are you talking about they're they're solely getting elected to do the same thing that somebody who fucking makes an app is trying to is is trying to make the app for to get rich yeah exactly
0: yeah i mean it's so i mean not to you're right i mean the stuff about kristen should we get back to the movie yeah Oh, sorry.
1: You're going to talk about Kristen Senderman?
0: Get it. Get it. Go. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck is this person? Like, what? Why why is she doing anything? You know, like somebody today was retweeting all of her tweets from like 2012 about like we demand comprehensive immigration reform and like just obvious like resistance grifter kind of stuff, you know? And it's like, why? Her whole identity was this kind of resistance grifter. And then she's completely become. (laughs) Like a a Republican once she was elected, like what the fuck is going on with this person? But like you're saying, it's just for attention and power and money and you know, and great, you know, yeah. that was it. That was all that was ever going on.
1: But there's no way they didn't know.
0: Well, who's they? I mean, I
1: just, I just, I just don't believe this isn't calculated.
0: Well, you know, I mean, they. She got elected by the people that elected her. You know.
1: No, I mean, I, I, I mean the the Democratic establishment. I mean. I mean, Pelosi and Schumer and even Biden and his staff and even a lot of people in the Democratic Party. I I just don't believe that they can't convince these two to go along with it. And if they couldn't convince them and they knew that, that they couldn't find some kind of dirt to put out on them.
0: I mean, Ricky, I, I just so your your premise is the Democratic Party couldn't organize itself to accomplish something. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I believe it that one hundred percent. Can fucking 100%. organize
1: itself to win elections.
0: I mean, we have a two-party system where the other party was like the "I will kill your mom and eat her" party, and the the Democrats barely won.
1: Right? Why do you think that is?
0: Because they're really bad at organizing to get stuff done, and they don't have any idea. I think it's because the I think it's because the party is run by these market research people who are completely disingenuous and don't know what the fuck they're talking about but these right the, Demo- like, the
1: let's get lady gaga to do it the
0: 80 year old people that run the democratic party think that they're some kind of wizards you know and they're like oh right. the polls say we got to do this oh we got to do it we could never do that the polls and it's like the polls don't know what the fuck they're talking about and these market research people are also just grifters that are lying to you you know
1: and this is why you should watch City of Hope, because City of <laughs> Hope, in some ways, is 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 all of this. And we haven't even like talked very deeply about like specific characters. I mean, the main star of the movie, beginning and ending, is with uh, an actor by the name of Vincent Spano, who did uh, Alphabet City, Baby It's You, John Sales's Baby It's You, and now this. And he plays like a cokehead who walks off the job on a building site. His dad is the builder, and he's sort of a tragic he's a tragic figure in this, in this play so much to the point where like when we were watching it and he's like around his friends in the movie who are like goading him to to do a burglary with them in some ways, they're kind of goading him. I think he just goes along, but, uh, my girlfriend was kind of like, Oh, this is Shakespearean. they're just doing like a Shakespeare thing with these guys, because the way that these guys have this repetition and all their dialogue, is like, yeah, he said, you should go over here. You're going to go over there. Yeah. He said, you should go like, they're just sort of constantly echoing bad advice yeah. towards this, towards this character. Um, and he, I, I, I think he's pretty good in this movie. He's a, he's a, and I like in the end when it becomes, when the tragedy strikes that he kind of, he he really plays it up in like a, 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 it's like, it's like giving that actor, like old school actor's studio thing to chew on, you know? Yeah. Daddy, it's... daddy, I'm fucked up here, daddy.
0: <laughs> what, what, what's going on?
1: Somebody help my son. Somebody help oh, my son.
0: Yeah. It is real old school actor shit. It's real like on the waterfront. like Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And it's funny too, because it's, he you know his character and even this actor like it's the kind of person you see a lot in a kind of like late 80s early 90s movie and a lot of times they're awful and the movie is not good and it's this kind of like um like his arc is like a journey song but you know run through the wire and so I was prepared to not like him and not like this whole section of the film but Yeah, I think you're right. I think he gives a really good performance and it's like dopey in a certain way and like, yeah, he's like a pretty boy but at the same time, it's like it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. There are real people like that and I think he's doing like a really good job of capturing that.
1: Wait, you said that he's like a journey song filtered through the wire? Yeah. But It's all, all the characters are, according to John Sills, mostly inspired by Bruce Springsteen songs.
0: Yeah, I was hoping you're going to bring this up, Ricky. I could not fucking believe this when you said this to me today. Like, the, the, the the John Sills quote you sent me said, this is the one movie I did no research on. Most of it was inspired by Bruce Springsteen songs. And I was like, what the fuck? All the shit we have been saying for the entire length of the podcast about what an insightful movie this is, is secondhand based on Bruce Springsteen songs, which I was like, are you telling me Springsteen songs are that true? That this is like, that's amazing. That is amazing. You don't, you don't,
1: I mean, well, one, this is the second movie in two weeks. I know.
0: That is, that is based off Bruce
1: Springsteen songs. I can't imagine there'll be that many more. You're in a real uh, sweet spot
0: of movies based on Springsteen songs, yeah.
1: You don't. I mean, you don't. You don't think that's possible. You don't like. You don't
0: like the early Asbury. Par- I mean, it's specifically based off the early Asbury Park no, stuff. I like. I like them, Ricky. I do like them, but it's like, you know, I'm just saying that the IP is this strong that you can literally do no research into how the world you know, a, a town government works or whatever, and just at, inspired off a handful of his songs, do something that, you know, 30 years later we could sit here and be like, wow, this is so amazingly insightful about America. You know, that's really impressive. I think that's really impressive. I I think so too. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't personally understand the surprise I mean, I don't know. Do I think Bruce Springsteen is a little hacky? Yes, I do. I think he's a little hacky. I mean, what can I... Ricky, I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s. You know, what can I say, man? I guess you've never listened to the ghost of Tom Jode. Yeah, yeah, I have. It's kind of hacky.
1: There's no fucking way the ghost of Tom Joad is hacky.
0: What are okay. you talking
1: about? It's the just, ghost of Tom Joad is amazing. It's
0: just self-centered and melodramatic, and it's like taking talking about co-opting other people's suffering for yourself.
1: Eat shit. It's not talking about that at all. It's telling stories.
0: (laughs) Okay. Stories Mr. Millionaire knows so much about. Mr. Fucking Millionaire Bruce Springsteen knows so much about this. I used to work at the company that was his PR company. I can tell you he's completely rich as he could possibly be and completely disconnected from reality.
1: Yes, that I know. That I know.
0: And it's like, oh, he's got such fucking insight into the common man based on like his life up until 1975,
1: you know? I i'm with you there but i do think the go i think the 90s he was still trying post that post tom jode it's all like especially like post 9 11 with uh you know we take care of our own (laughs) is like just fucking trash like absolute and
0: tragic and tragic yeah
1: yes yeah the fact that he participated in that
0: shit but this is what i'm saying this is what i'm saying uh, and I didn't at all begin by saying anything bad about Bruce Springsteen. I just said it's impressive to have. me that you could take as a jumping off point his songs and make a movie this good, you know, without doing any additional research. I mean, come on.
1: I, I want to. That's like saying I world-
0: read a comic book about boats and I built the world's fastest sailboat. And I'm like, I can't believe that happened. And you're like, well, they're very good comic books. You know, I'm like, okay, I understand that they're good comic books. I'm just saying it's very impressive.
1: Come on. He's like, he dedicated... His he dedicated a portion of his career not just to like writing quote unquote about the working class in a way that was we take care of our own. He specifically wrote about deindustrialization in like Youngstown, Ohio, I know, and in I New know. Jersey.
0: They are very good comic books about boats. I agree. I'm just saying it's amazing Get you could start out with out those here. and then end up with the world's best you, boat. You know,
1: you are I you you are taking it too far. <laughs> Taking it too far.
0: Oh, I mean were you triggered, Snowflake? Is that
1: <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 Bruce Springsteen. Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, okay, bro. Okay, bro.
0: Uh I want to talk about Joe Morton's character. Great, fantastic character. And what a performance by Joe Morton, right? An amazing I mean, Joe Morton's one of our best. He's, he's one of
1: our best. He's just never gotten you know he he's never gotten the chance that he really deserved i think i mean outside of being in john he was like a john sales regular and then he was in terminator 2 joe morton well i think that the only hopeful moment in the movie um for lack of a better word cuz the movie's name is city of hope uh is 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 his is joe morton's uh ending right because it's the moment that he recognizes how he can build a coalition amongst right. the people in his community and in the final moment you don't know if they get kicked out of the of that dinner you don't know if their words get heard or not but what 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 makes them prideful and what makes them happy is that they've come together they've built a collect a collective of right. some kind with each other and there's that i i wept at the moment when he 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 rallies everybody and then he's walking out he's walking out of the shop that he's and they're all going to storm the halls of power right and he's walking out with his wife with angela bassett and she says and and she says uh well that was something and he says are they behind me and she says yeah they're behind you and she says do you know what you're doing and he says we'll make it up when we get there i was like i thought that was so beautiful because it's not necessarily, of course, you want to change the system and you want, uh, you, want, you want a better life for everybody in some capacity, but it's also about collective action and that feeling of collective action that he is creating with these people, which I thought was like, you know, it's all, the movie's all about isolation and loneliness and alienation that comes through this system, and the only way to combat that is to come together and fight it. And that's, like, the one hopeful moment, I think, in this otherwise bleak and tragic film.
0: Well, I mean, it's interesting to hear you say this, Ricky, because I do agree that there is something in this moment that's joyful, and it's very... He's certainly joyful that he's pulling this off and that everybody's following him around. But at the but same so time... The people. But at the same time, it's a very bleak moment in the film. It's very bleak because the whole... His arc is about... He... So, this we haven't even discussed this, right, but there's this whole plot line that involves these two black teens who decide to randomly attack a white guy who it's jogs by random. them because a cop harassed them earlier because some physically 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 assaulted physically them. them because some neighborhood busybodies were bothering them about all the bad element in town, right, and this is one of the ways that film traces things from like seemingly innocuous to awful um. You know, not to say it seems innocuous, but you know what I mean. Like very small mm-hmm. to much bigger. Um, so they get harassed by the cops and they beat up this white guy, and so then they make up a story that the white guy was actually trying to come on to them and he's gay, and so then this becomes this whole flashpoint issue. And Joe Morton has a very strong sense that it's this, the black kid story is not true, but the the act the activists in his district, you know, they believe it or they don't care if it's true or not because they're saying you know it's like the these, you know, these white people, you know, they're always trying to get us arrested. These two poor kids are in jail for no reason. And like, we got to help them and they're good kids and, and they are good kids and they have good parents, you know, but it's, so Joe Morton is just racked with guilt and indecision over this because he knows their story isn't true, but it's also what everybody wants him to be talking about. And so eventually he just decides to act like he thinks it's true and in order to get the support of people, but then what he's trying to do is then take that support and channel it towards something that he already wanted to do that's positive. And there's a great moment in the scene where he's giving the speech to all the his all his constituents where you know he's like, Well, yeah, we gotta get those kids out of jail, you know, the police can't railroad them like this, and the activists are like look at each other like, Great, this is great, it's happening. And then as he starts to lead the crowd towards other stuff, the complicated, boring stuff that Joe Morton wants to do, they exchange a look like, well, this isn't what we want to be fucking doing. But like, also, we can't really stop it at this point. And so then it's like what we're meant to understand, basically, is Joe Morton has compromised his principles and he's riding this knife edge of trying to lie and take the support of people but put it in a positive direction and i the question i found myself asking is like well how long can he keep that up how long until he's just disingenuinely doing stuff in order to keep himself in his position and you know this is like how his how his career takes off and how his um principles are destroyed you know
1: mm. that's uh, i mean surprise that's a surprise it's a much more cynical
0: reading than i had yeah i mean didn't but that's his usually Usually, that's my job i know but don't mean that's his plot line right is like he doesn't think it's true and he doesn't want to say he doesn't want to say it's true because he doesn't believe it's true but then he just goes along with it anyway yeah but he
1: also ends up uh de-escalating it the charges get the charges get dropped and then we also have a scene where the professor who was attacked goes r- for a run with, <laughs> with the yeah. kid, and it's like the best punchline of the movie, right? <laughs> where he's like, the kid's running with him, and he the kid apologizes for what happened, and the professor starts running with him, and the kid and the kid says, uh, "What do you do? What do you teach anyway?"
0: And he goes, "Urban relations." <laughs> <laughs>
1: A great a great line. But I mean, that's the one happy ending of the movie, right? That like, between
0: the two of those people. Yeah, that is the one happy but, ending of the movie.
1: But I think because they have a happy ending, you can read the compromise that Joe Morton did as one that is that is not just compromising his ideals. I think he found a way. And he was right. He was right for what he said to the to the to the professor, right? He said, You have two options. You right. can either Drop the charges, a few people will whisper about you, and it'll be over pretty quickly. Or you can take this to court. Same people are going to whisper. Even more people are going to whisper, and it's going to go to the media. So it's up to you. And I'm here telling you these choices and asking you to do one over the other because it will be better for my community as well if you if you do that. One. Yeah, but isn't that right?
0: scene? It's him. It's he's justifying this to himself also, and he's come up with a good argument. But he spent the whole movie before that saying he doesn't want to do this and it's wrong, and he won't do it. And then yeah, the way he presents it to the the professor is. It sounds really reasonable, but like, that's how it goes. You know, Is like, you can make it sound reasonable, but that doesn't mean it's true or good, you know?
1: And I guess I kind of take that back because I just remember that it's the kid's mother who convinces him to go apologize to the professor.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Right, it's not like Joe Morton who goes and is like, do the right thing, kid. It's the kid's mother. Yeah. But the, the, the two activists, they don't, they share a look when it when they when it find when they find out that the charges have been dropped, but when the other stuff comes up about about housing, they're on board and they
0: they join the rally as well. But I they don't think, share a look then. I know I they do. They have this look they like smile. It's kind to the way it read to me was like because we've seen in other we know the things that they want and we know the things that Joe Morton wants and the movie has established it pretty firmly. And so in the scene, Joe Morton starts off talking about the stuff they want and they're like, oh great. And then he starts talking about the stuff he wants. And the crowd is still going like, Yeah, great. Let's do it. So they share this look where it's like, well, okay, he changed the subject to his shit, but he did our thing, and everybody is excited about it. So like, what the fuck are we gonna do? You know?
1: I guess so. I don't you so who where do you see any kind of
0: positive or or hopeful outlook in the movie, or is it largely devoid of that? I think it's, I mean, I think it's largely devoid of that. I mean, the line city, the titular line is in that monologue by the mayor where he's talking about like, you know, he's saying all the shit about tax cuts and corporate incentives. And he's like, we need to make this a city of hope. You know, it's right. It's ironic. It's ironic. The villain says it. And he says it in the middle of lying about a bunch of stuff, you know?
1: Right. He's totally full of shit.
0: And it, but in us, I think the hope is like every individual character is full of hope that they can do something positive, either for their community or for themselves, and they're all crushed by the weight of the system. But the thing that that the movie reveals is that the system, like I keep saying, the system is us, and they are the ones crushing each other. But they can't see that or appreciate that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, want to do? Yeah, favorite let's parts? do it. Let's do it, brother.
1: Oh, Chris, there's three questions that we ask at the end of every <laughs> podcast. What's your favorite part again, of Again, again,
0: again, again. Do it better, do it better. this
1: Chris, time. Chris, there's three questions. That we ask okay, that I, you're doing
0: really good, Ricky, but if I could just get you to enunciate a little more, that would be just, it would make it just give it that little something extra. Enunciate? Yeah, like that. You're doing great. Enunciate? Um, Chris, we ask uh, three questions at the end of this podcast uh what's your first question is favorite part what's your favorite part of the movie uh, yeah i mean there's lots of good scenes and funny uh people in this movie and lots of you thank know, god there's good scenes humor that we haven't I really talked i love a good about. scene uh, ricky i've watched some movies where there's hardly any good scenes brother and this movie it's and this one's got it's just filled it's with scenes, filled
1: with good scenes so I, many scenes
0: oh you fucking piece of shit dude <laughs>
1: It's mostly scenes. It's mostly
0: scenes. Went from the start of the movie until the end. You're getting scenes. Okay. Scene, 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 which is pretty amazing. Um, I don't know. I like that the principal from Billy Madison is in it. Like that's pretty fun.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. As
0: like a, as like a tragic appliance store owner. Yeah. Um, but you know, in all seriousness, it's the thing I've said a hundred times, which is the way that it presents a, a complicated, true story about the way the world actually works. But, does it in a way that is so human and and relatable and i think i mean i really literally could not name you another movie that does it this effectively
1: yeah i would agree with that um i'm i got i'm gonna choose two and uh i'm choosing one because we haven't actually really talked about him yet uh but the first one quickly is there's these two characters in the movie that are we were talking i was i mentioned them before they're the main characters kind of like devils and uh, they they lead him into this this dumb burglary and they're constantly talking shit about women i mean all of the that's one thing that's interesting about this movie is that all of the piece of shit men in this movie whether they're piece of shits because of women or not they are they are like objectifying women and being misogynistic all throughout the movie oh yeah every like single second of, yeah right like there's a ton of misogyny in this movie but they're all from bad men who aren't necessarily bad because of women or like yeah. because of their behavior towards women, um, just kind of an anyway, ambient
0: part of their personality is that yeah they're just... exactly exactly it's
1: an yeah. ambient part of their personality. All they're talking about is objectify is like is like fucking women. Yeah. Um. But they, these two guys, uh, they're constantly like in the periphery and coming up with schemes and just dicking around and hanging around and then all of a sudden the movie moves to a bar and they just suddenly get on stage and start playing and <laughs> maybe they
0: had mentioned it before but i didn't realize they, had... they were supposed to ricky this is they why had? this is why they have to do the heist is they gotta like get some more equipment and then they oh, can do the right. band that's full right. time that's right but at the same time it still seems so weird that like seems so that, weird like they just suddenly show up at this. They just suddenly at this gig. And they've been, I mean, I, I know this is sometimes what it's like to be a musician, but it's like, they've just, they just seem to be two dirt bags that are at the bar doing drugs and being dirt bags and then like cut. And they're on stage, like playing guitars and keyboards. And, you know,
1: and it also seems like all their equipment was there waiting for them. Like they're (laughs) famous or something like a band like this would be setting up themselves beforehand, figuring it out it's just like so unglamorous Oh my god! and, it and would, like, the, yeah. their
0: whole day would be taken up with like whose car can we put this shit in and yes like, where can exactly. we keep it what before we have to go on stage because we're not allowed <laughs> to put it on stage until like 10 minutes before we go on stage you know
1: like that in and itself is its whole its own movie yeah. but they just show up and all their stuff is ready for them to go <laughs> um and then my other favorite part of the movie is david chathairn um who oh, plays yeah. a um a disabled man um, a mentally ill disabled man who's kind of in the periphery of the whole movie um yelling and, and parodying everything that he hears and um that he appears in the i i you know I don't want to say cuz i not that many people have seen this movie but he becomes an incredibly powerful part uh, uh of the movie that yeah. i you do not see coming i'd seen the movie and i forgot that that was there
0: and again yeah. it's it's the kind of character that you know, he's supposed to be a a crazy homeless person. And I mean, this is something we haven't touched on yet, but this this kind of character can so easily be bad. And I feel like this is the movie, Ricky, you got like you invented in your mind when you were complaining about the Fisher King last week and about its lack of complexity and its unwillingness to look at society. Like, I feel like this is the movie you were talking about, you know, like this is the movie that has the courage to say like, it's actually not just about like something bad happened to Davis Strathairn's wife. Like it's just so much more going on than that, you know?
1: Right. There's a system in place or yeah. systems in place that are, that are, that are causing this or aggravating it at the
0: very least. Um, um, and it's funny br- that you mentioned about the um, band because that is also my most nineties moment is that there is a, like a band performance in the movie and it goes on for kind of a while and a you time, you yeah. watch these it's like two dirtbags play music and you're like why is this happening why is this and happening it's,
1: and it's also very specifically like a 90s white blues kind of band you mm-hmm. know
0: like that it's it's
1: it's definitely supposed to be bar rock and but bar rock was such a a kind of music of a specific period of time where like every band in these kinds of cities was seemingly trying to sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And just the um, idea and uh, that th- what the movie audience wants is to watch some guys they've never heard of play some blues rock for a couple minutes, <laughs> you know, like
1: I'm going to go with the most nineties thing about the movie for me is um uh, Robert Richardson's, robert richardson right what the fuck is wrong i don't with know
0: me? get a little closer to the microphone cowboy oh
1: uh yeah yeah, yeah. robert richardson okay. my most 90s part of the movie is robert richardson cinematography because like i was saying before you can kind of see it in a bunch of other 90s movies after this both with oliver stone movies that robert richardson shot and also movies that other people shot that were sort of looking at what he was doing and trying to take that style mm. um and uh i just another reason to talk about his work in this movie again is uh is good for me
0: um the other question we ask is wh- what what is have it? we grown out of since this movie <gasps> came out you know it's been 30 years since this movie came out you know what have we grown out of since since city of hope came out good movies <laughs> I mean that's my answer too, basically. Just like I can like imagine making a movie at this level of complexity f- f- for theatrical release in 2021. Like, are you fucking out of your mind?
1: Imagine being fearless and making something that's didactic, intentionally theatrical, and like walk and like trying to walk some kind of high wire uh I mean, of style. You okay, know? I'll and, say and then at the same time narratively textured like this
0: so there are they do still make didactic movies like did you see never rarely sometimes always yeah so that's a didactic movie the point of it is just Planned Parenthood is good you know and it's showing you that Planned Parenthood is good Planned Parenthood is the star of the movie right okay but number one it's very has a very simple message number two it is it is intentionally does not look artistic or does not feature any you know personal melodrama it's realistic you know what i mean
1: naturalistic naturalistic right
0: whereas this is a movie and it is like we're saying playwriterly it's theatrical in some ways and it's like you're saying like the photography is beautiful and ambitious and it looks like a movie you know yes so i think when you make a didactic movie today you have to shrink it all the way down to just like one eighth of this movie. And you have to shoot it like it's a documentary, you know?
1: Well, I think, I think in, I think there was a period of time where like, if you were going to make a didactic movie, there was a self-awareness about being didactic. So why not in some capacity be Brechtian about right. it? Right. Yeah. And I don't think I don't, that's not to say that city of hope is a deconstruction of some kind, but because it knows that it's didactic, it's trying to do a stylistic, it's intentionally doing a having a tug of war between being theatrical and being cinematic, between being naturalistic and being theatrical. Yeah, you know,
0: and it's you know it's concerned about the audience in some way. It has a, it hasn't. Part of its concerns are your engagement with the characters and the film because it knows if your attention wanders or if you're not identifying with the characters and caring about or or hating them, you know. Then you're not the message of the movie is not going to land. You can't just be message; it has to c- connect with you.
1: Yeah. The other thing is that this movie made no money.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: so it's like you could try then, but yeah, it didn't no. fucking work then either, right? Yeah. It made about a million dollars. Is that true? The, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but it was only made for three million. That's, three that million blows dollars. My That's mind, so dude. crazy. Um, I will say um i mean i i have the same i'm in agreement with you about you know what we've grown out of because other than that i don't think we've grown out of the politics of the no. movie i don't think we've grown out of the issues of the movie i think no. they linger forever and ever yeah. in this country until we just fall and into in new york single. city
0: for especially i mean i know this is new jersey but in you know
1: yeah um well in parts of new york city though right like because new york city has the financial sector or the like the like you know the the finance center of the world, basically like you can hide these other pockets of the city well enough to say that like, Oh, we don't really have those anymore, but they're there. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, I was going to say just to wrap it up, um, John sales, you know, this is one of his most ambitious movies, but, um, all of his movies are, are worth watching and, um i highly i don't think there's a filmmaker i could recommend more on this podcast because he hasn't had the sort of like long term life that a lot of other that like a scorsese obviously or or, or somebody else from this era kind of has and he should because all of his movies are really smart really funny really like city of hope has some great lines in it it's really funny at times and all of his movies are kind of like that, and so I recommend people go back and watch ape and out watch um I love that movie. mother from another planet cool, yeah Sekakis seven uh madwan um passion fish I mean he's got a solid run of about seven or eight great I mean, fucking movies when you were
0: naming them off at at the top of the show, I was just thinking about you know selfishly I'm thinking about myself, and I was just like, imagine writing eight movies that were this good in this short of a period of time like that's fucking wild and they're all so different you know Mm -hmm. i mean that's just on a creative level i have so much respect for that you know
1: and then at the same time uh writing like often nameless uh a ton of other movies you know like she does
0: right he has written so much schlock
1: well, he's also he's also like a very well-paid Hollywood script doctor. Oh so yeah. Tons of stuff that he uh doesn't even have his name on. You know. Yeah. Or I was that, reading that some done. of
0: the stuff that he's done script doctoring on and now I can't remember, but it's yeah, it's like some of the biggest action, you know, adventure movies of the last 30 years, right? He wrote a new
1: Django movie. Not not Django Unchained. But Django, did like original spaghetti western guy, um, yeah, he's got his name all over stuff, and apparently he's written some
0: Marvel. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah,
1: but I, that could be wrong.
0: Like, you can really see his touch in Thor: The Dark of the Moon. Is that is that one <laughs> of them? <laughs> um. All right, brother. I think we did it. Right. That's it. Yeah, I think we
1: did it. You see my spot? Oh yeah, you're close.